0: Guys, It's 530, which means that it is the start of Project Esports for November 26, 2018. December's around the corner. We've updated our logo to the Christmas theme. It is the holiday season. It is time. But that is not why you're here today. You're here to listen to us talk esports, and there's plenty of it, especially League of Legends. But James is gone, so luckily i want to introduce our guest first. We have Thomas Baker along with us, and luckily he is going to be one of the TGH. The Game House's League of Legends experts. So besides that, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Hey
1: everybody, Thomas Baker here. Uh, That is really all that I do in the esports world. Um, I cover professional League of Legends for the Game House. I mostly write articles um, on the site a couple times a week, but I do have a couple of interviews up on YouTube. I've been involved in uh, the LCS Weekly podcast in the past. Um, But that's really it. I like to play, um, but I'm not very good.
0: So And he's downplaying. Better people play. One of his biggest interviews that just came out a couple of weeks ago was with Cody San, the very first interview after everything we talked about here on the show. So do go check that out on the Game House's Twitter. I mean, it's already got a lot of people watching it. So if you're into League of Legends, you've probably already watched it. But if you haven't, go and check it out. I watched the whole thing, it was really interesting. So do go check that out. And then we have the meme boy of the show. We have Dylan. How are you doing today, dude? I'm doing good. I Yeah, you got your Overwatch hoodie on. Next week yeah. I'm going to be wearing mine. And we were talking about a little bit before the show. But with that, I do think we're going to have a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. First off, I want to lead off with the announcement <laughs> of the LEC. The League of Legends European Championship. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the show. Kind of rumors of the show, of the different teams that are going to be announced. All that kind of stuff. So I want to kind of just go through the official press release from um, Riot about the teams that are being involved. Some of the start dates, A little bit of information behind it. So, yeah. So the official teams that are going to be in it are Fnatic, Skelko 4. Is that how you say it, right? Shalka. Shalka. Goddamn. Uh, G2, <laughs> Misfits, Origin, XL, which I feel like is a meme in itself. Because whenever I hear XL, I just think Microsoft Excel. So I'm sorry for any fans of that. Um, Rogue, SK Gaming, Splice, and Team Vitality. Um, A lot of these were already kind of confirmed from either personal Twitter accounts, from the rumors that are kind of dropping. So this is looking pretty um, like what the rumors are kind of leaking. James is really excited about Origin. I mean, do you have any special ties to Origin, uh, Thomas? Or do you know why people have such an affinity for the organization?
1: Yeah, Origin... um... So this is, this is probably one of the most interesting narratives of the European League of Legends scene at all, like, period. Um, it is owned by and headed by this older uh, legacy player named Xbeke, who played for Fnatic in their Season 1 World Championship when they won. Um, he Once he retired, he basically, like, came back and created his own team called Origin, and he kind of scouted um some big name players. Uh Soaz, who had also played for Fnatic, um Amazing, who at the time I think was playing on TSM as their jungler. And then uh Mythi was kind of another legacy support player, and then this up and coming like Prodigy 80 carry named Niels, who we all know now as Ven.
0: Hmm.
1: And uh they came in their first so spring twenty fifteen, they They play the Challenger Series and qualify into LCS. And then that summer, they qualify to Worlds. And they made it all the way into the top four, uh, which is as far as Fnatic made it. So essentially, everybody got hyped because this cool new organization owned by this legacy superstar player within their first split of pro league made it top four at Worlds, which is really, really uncommon for a league team to do that well. Um, but then they ended up like crashing and burning, um, (laughs) their, their, a couple of their players got, uh, you know, went to different teams and they kind of broke up and then they got these lesser players and then, um, all kinds of rumors about board management. Um, and then they ended up getting relegated from the league and kind of disbanding. And then of course, last year, um, they come firing back again with this new European masters tournament. And so it's just really cool to see them back in the league um yeah. especially because they do have kind of a new management partnership with um the the organization that owns Astralis Yeah. Um, oh
0: I think it's refresh it's refresh. r it's r um it's rf rsh so i'm assuming they say yeah. refresh media would refresh. be my guess of what mm-hmm. that's trying to do there some hip cool way of saying that yeah they own Australis. and something that i also thought kind of fun about origin that kind of makes me interested in the organization is uh deficio is going mm-hmm. to be their gm which i mean i'm not a big league of legends guy but i've heard of him i follow him on twitter he's a great personality so i loved seeing him kind of being um the gm there so yeah I think that'll be fun but yeah i was just kind of curious i mean james was super hyped when they saw that so i i was kind of curious what he kind of knew about that but outside of those teams um the season's gonna start on friday january 18th um that doesn't feel that far away actually i didn't realize that the next season started up so soon already but january is right around the corner and yeah they're just kind of going through a bunch of press release information like what happens the eu lcs well they're like Nothing. This is just a rebranding of it. They wanted a new league with personality that stood out for the franchising. Included yeah. a couple of really cool Archie desktop backgrounds and all that. But what do you guys think? I mean, you've heard about franchising coming for a while. We've heard about just kind of this whole restructuring being here for a while. And now that it's here, now that it's been announced, now that the brand's here, what do you guys think about it? Um, I think I, think I think,
2: sorry, go, sorry, go ahead.
1: So, I'm overall I mean it's as expected you know like half the uh, half of the teams were already in the league um, and doing well and then you know we got a couple origin and SK had already been in the league before so you know interesting to see them come back and then rogue and Excel are the only completely new comers to the league um, the only thing I would say is i'm kind of surprised that more football organizations didn't join yeah um because at first if i'm remembering correctly i don't have it in front of me but there were two other like splice wasn't accepted and bro or, or excel in. were not in and then in the last couple of weeks they kind of got oh. down to the wire and then they announced that splice and that other organization were going to be coming in instead so that was kind of weird like i'd I'd be interested to hear more about that um but otherwise it seems like you know makes sense and it makes sense to rebrand with a new name kind of separate yourself from the nalcs and i personally really like their new logo the kind of crown wave 3d spinning thing um yeah
0: i I love the logo and i love the name and i guess i don't know what you have to say about it dylan but like i think separating from the NA LCS and the EU LCS now being the LC the NA LCS really separates them I feel like they're both very separate entities instead of being compared to each other now I love the branding I love the colors are using very bold bright colors I love everything about it so far I mean I guess I've always been more of an NA guy but like this makes me excited to go in and actually watch more of the LEC what about you yeah. Joe uh don't yeah yet?
2: I agree I think it's really cool and I'm always down for, for brand reboots whenever it's necessary like this. Um, especially whenever you're separating yourself and wanting to be your own entity. I think it's a really good idea that they did this and hopefully this is gonna create a lot of hype around it now. Like ho- hopefully this is the thing that really drives like a lot of hype and it's gonna do really
0: well. Yeah. And I guess I guess with that, I mean we can always kind of come back to this conversation, but I wanna start opening up kind of more towards you, Thomas, because you're gonna be the information one about all this but towards free agency that's also been happened so this happened alongside the announcement of free agency that started last monday this happened right away and then a ton of moves have happened in the last week so obviously i'm going to allow you to kind of open up maybe talk about some of your favorite ones i'm somewhat knowledgeable i can bring up and talk about a little bit of it here and there with you for some of the bigger moves but also um for any of our regular listeners james has been doing daily recaps of everything that has been happening in the free agency market going over his opinions on some of the biggest moves announcements anything kind of like that so if you want his opinion he will not be on it'll be a while before he's back on so we won't be able to hear from him but you can go catch those you those are all on our twitter so check that out but for today's episode we can't just ignore it so i want to hear about what do you think are maybe four or five of the biggest moves that have happened and maybe forming some super teams or what do you think are going to really shift the uh landscape for a certain team
1: so, oh man, that's super hard. There's just been a lot of change, um, and I'm gonna be because I don't have all the information in front of me about which ones are like the rumors and which ones have official announcements. Um, Jacob Wolf over at ESPN, he's yes. been—he's he, like the go-to leaks, um, roster moves guy, and he—I mean, in everything that I've followed, he's been probably 95% correct. Um, or at least even when he's off, he's only off by a little bit. Like, they're going to keep them as a coach instead of a player or that kind of thing. So um, that being said, um, my biggest uh, interesting part of off season for me has been essentially all of the mid-lane changes. Like, almost every single mid-laner in, in the North American LCS has changed, except, like, Erickson. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he might be the only one who's sticking with this team that we know of. And uh, even in the LEC, when you have four completely new orgs, like you're going to have so many, so many players change. Um, but yes, like you can kind of follow this domino effect of mid laners where, um, you know, Ryu on 100 Thieves uh, moved to an assistant coach, which means they need a new mid laner. So they pull who who is on CLG, and CLG needs a new mid laner. They pull PoE, Power of Evil from optic yep and then optic imported uh crown who is a korean player
0: which i thought that was really interesting like i i'd heard of crown and he's kind of been irrelevant for a couple years a lot of people have been saying that he's just kind of had like he just hasn't been up to where he was and i I would love to see that and a lot of people are either really hyped or like kind of treating it as a meme that he could either come back regain his confidence and do really well or is just going to kind of be a flop of a pick? So, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. And I'm happy to see him come back over. Because I only heard the name, like, when I first got in the league. Crown was kind of closer to his peak is when I started watching um, League of Legends at least competitively. So, right. I don't know. I'm happy the name that I heard. I hadn't heard of it in forever. But the second I heard that, I'm like, I like that move. Because I love redemption arcs. My favorite part about esports is you can get some really good, like, storylines. And him coming back over to N.A., and just doing well, I would love to see, but that's just maybe a personal hope, more or less.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I was... um Following Worlds, I was pretty much expecting him to either come to one of the Western regions, like one of the new European teams, or one of the lower-tier NA teams, or I was expecting him to just retire. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of glad that he's still playing, and OpTic makes sense on paper for me for I think that's a win-win situation for the player yeah. in the org. The only issue is that I just still uh, optics roster. The rest of the roster is really up in the air. So totally depends on what players they put yeah, around. I him. feel like a couple
0: um, of these rosters have made one big move that really got a lot of people talking about it, but then the rest of the roster just remained the same. And that, I don't know. I, I feel like yes. In League of legends, you can have that one player carry you and do really well. But I think you saw, especially in Worlds, that you saw this whole team come together. I mean, Fnatic did so well, even though they're all so young, is that they're all that equally skill level. They all had wide uh, pools of uh, champions. And I think having one strong player isn't going to be enough, at least at the international level, maybe in the NALCS. Crown could be good enough to lead them to a decent season. But I really feel like just making one roster change isn't going to be enough for teams like Optic. I mean, do you yeah. agree with that? Do you think he could revitalize?
1: Uh, no, if they keep the rest of their roster the same, it's not going to happen. Um, I think that Power of Evil was their strongest player no. uh, by far.
0: And, and do you feel like that's a downgrade um, from Power of Evil to Crown?
1: I mean, at best, it's a side grade, and uh, I'm really interested to see who they pick up as their AD carry because Cody Sun. Um, we mentioned him earlier, but he already announced that he's not going to be part of a of a starting roster. And that was kind of the one team that I thought could use a new AD carry, especially a uh, like a North American
0: player. Yeah, Atlanta, because
1: yeah. Arrow was kind of one of those underperformers for me last year. And uh, he's taking up an import slot. And if you slot in Cody there, then you can maybe import a top or jungle. Uh, I felt like that move would have opened up a lot of doors for them. But um, the rest of their roster hasn't – like they haven't announced – who they're keeping who they're trading yeah. what they're gonna do there's, I mean, there's a long Brown, time i mean there's so. still
0: a couple months there's about a full month still before um the next season starts so they have time there but um I, t- talking about Cody san choosing not to be a part of this season i feel like that's happened a lot over in the lec i mean it's almost become a meme now of people saying i am not participating in the lec this season <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. i've chosen not <laughs> to i mean do you think that's because people don't like franchising that all those players were just done with their careers and don't aren't going to qualify for any of those teams? Like why is that all of a sudden happening? Cause I've never seen such a wide amount of players saying this just over Twitter.
1: Yeah. It's um essentially the way that it's reading to me is that organizations are not interested in those players. Yeah, uh, Like they've gotten the players from their negotiations haven't gotten any offers, haven't gotten any opportunities to sign with a team. And so they're just saying, hey, look, I'm not going to be starting for a team. I'm open to Academy or, you know, or or European Masters or some other opportunity or substitute. Um, And they're also implying that, at least for Gilius and Cody Sun, I mean, it seems like it's one of those coaches have talked or players have talked and your attitude doesn't like we don't want you on the team or we don't want to even think of adding you to our team Mm -hmm. so it really makes me wonder you know what all went behind the scenes with the 100 thieves uh roster and then gilius is the other one that stands out he's the one who first kind of said that he wasn't going to be in the lec and he's a uh, jungler that got you know substituted out for team vitality who ended up going to worlds with uh jungler kickus and uh kickus is already um I think he might have be confirmed or at least rumored to be joining Rogue. So, it's one of those issues where it just it just comes across as if the organizations aren't interested in them because of uh, attitude or character, you know, issues yeah. that they don't that they want. they had a certain that, team that in mind and that gonna...
0: they just don't fit pretty much the outlook.
1: Yeah. And so, that's sad. So, there's been a lot of Twitter discussion right now about um how much should skill uh skill play into being part of a pro team and how much of your connections and he said she said and you know those types of things how much should that play into joining a roster um, particularly because caps, uh, caps uh, another big move is that well they've announced that caps is leaving fanatic they haven't fully said that he's joining g2 it's but the rumor confirmed right that now he's going
0: to g2 for mid lane that and then perks is moving joining, down to ad carry yeah
1: yeah, and uh, part of that has kind of blown back on G2's owner, Ocelot, who's been, uh, you know, there's been questions about if Yarnan and Wadid, G2's current bottom lane yeah. duo, if they were aware of, you know, perks slotting down into ADC and bringing on caps, um, or if they're kind of like left out to dry by bringing in this new, you know, these new roster moves and not giving them an opportunity to be free agents. So it's created this whole new, this whole conversation, um, regarding how much should how, what kind of communication is going on in these off season changes, um, you know, between management coaches and players and between players and players and between coaches and organizations behind the scenes, you know, like how much should a coach's opinion of a player play into them not being able to join another team. You know, like if one coach goes to the other coach and says, hey, just so you know, this player was awful to work with. He's defiant. He doesn't follow what I say. He's always trying to, yeah, yeah. you know, get his own way. You don't really want him on your team. How much should that impact a player's opportunity with the other organizations?
0: And I'm curious. And so, like, from, a from both of you, like, what percentage should – skill play into it like out of a hundred so a hundred percent you should only look at a player's skill zero percent you should look at everything like dylan what do you think in terms of all esports is that should personalities and fit or should it just be pure skill well i think it
2: really can kind of be uh compared to just a normal like job interview i mean stuff like talking to old bosses is something that interviewers do. Like, they will call up your your old place of work and say, like, oh, how was he at this, this this last place that he worked at? And, you know, if you're a player and you are defined and you're not following the coach's rules, it's the same thing as being defined to a boss. They're yeah. going to say the same exact things. And, yeah, you can show up with a really good resume, a.k.a. show up with a really high skill level. Um, but during the interview, if you're not, like, super uh, – culturally fit like you you don't seem like you'll gel well with the team then you probably won't 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 get the spot on the team um I think a lot of this can like I said just apply to just getting a job anywhere else I mean a lot of that's 50 50 you know you got to show up with the skill but you also have to to fit the culture at the the company or the
0: team yeah do you kind of agree with that Thomas um a
1: little bit the only asterisk I would add there is that eSports is I feel like esports is very different from just a regular job um, when it comes to being an athlete because you're dealing with the top 200 players, you know, like in in any given game. And so your already skill is already the name of the game. You know, like being a very skilled player is what gets you in the door. Yeah. And so beyond that, um, I think that sometimes – The players are put at a bit of a disadvantage when it comes to all the, you know, owners organizations working so closely with each other Um, and, you know, just coaches. I, I feel like particularly League of Legends, I don't know if it's true of the other esports, but it's a very close knit community where a lot of people are friends outside of the game and they all live in L.A. and they all kind of socialize with each other. And I just, I don't think that necessarily, like, personal relationship issues should get in the way of giving a player a job.
2: I um, think that's pretty unrealistic, though. I mean, any job that's, like, really c- close-knit like that, I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of industries out there that are probably really small that, you know, can probably be compared. It's the exact same thing of where yeah. everyone kind of knows each other, and it's, I mean, it, it's not good. I mean, obviously, you would want someone to go in based on, like, are they a perfect fit for the team and are they good at the game? Like, just those two things. But, I mean, the name of the game is always networking. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, that's... I I agree with you on that it shouldn't be the case, Mm -hmm. but I don't think there's a way to really separate it.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no, I... And that's essentially... I'm glad you got that. Yeah. (laughs) I'd say that it's, it's something that shouldn't play a role but I agree it's totally unrealistic to expect it not to um at least until at least in League of Legends uh, overwatch might be a little bit different because they're you know geolocated but until you really separate the work life balance from each other um, it isn't really a realistic expectation to think that uh, personalities don't play into whether you want to have that person part of your org or not, because oftentimes these guys are living together. They're doing a lot of their social life is together. um, They're traveling together. So if your personality gets in the way of, of that and then that is bleeding into the professional side of things, then obviously you're not going to, as a, as a owner or as a coach, you don't want to invest into that um, because it's ultimately going to, gonna mess up your success so yeah i was essentially just saying it shouldn't i think that skill should be (laughs) like 85 percent of it and personal personality unless it's obviously you know toxic or never showing up to practice or you know motivational issues but if it's purely i don't like this person i don't like how they talk a certain way or um they are more vocal than someone else those types of things shouldn't get in the way of somebody getting a job but
2: i you know, okay so right I, actually, I disagree i actually disagree on that point because let's flip that over into uh into like a different sort of light so what if a player shows up and they're decent you know i mean like obviously all these players are amazing but like right. in terms of like being like a top 200 player they're like they're mediocre they're they're not They're not, like, number one or top ten or anything. Yeah. But what if they're showing up with, you know, like, real determination, they want to improve, they want to put all this stuff into here, and their personality is really bent on wanting to learn and improve, and they work well with teams. Like, they might not be a super good player, but they could have the potential there. And I think there's a lot of situations like that, and it's not purely just the negative aspects of it. Like, I, I, I think players can show a good side of personality and that could supersede skill a lot more. I don't
0: feel like that has as big an effect though. I really believe that when it's top 200, that the teams, I think you just want to bring in the best players to win games. As long as they're not like debilitating, toxic, just bring the best players. Even if you have someone that's top 100, but has a drive, or you could have someone that's top 20 with like whatever, let's get this done. But they win you games, and the other one is just that mediocre player that's just a part of games. You want that top twenty player?
2: No, but that person doesn't always win the games though, because you're working on a but team. They, I don't, so but they had really that higher. Different. They had
0: that higher chance of carrying, especially in League of Legends. You can have that one player carry. You look in the um, world's Finals. It was a matter of fact of which team solo lanes carried harder in the World um, Finals. And and League of Legends is one of those games where if you have a really good top lane or a really good bottom lane, i mean, mid lane. Um, you can carry. So I, I get what you mean, and I know what you're trying to say, and I think we sh- we can kind of wrap up this conversation. Um, because I think we could go on for a full hour about this conversation, but that's why I think, it's
1: been yeah. I, that's why I was bringing it up is because it has created this conversation on yeah. Twitter that's happening like in real time. The last few days, it's been very um. Like a lot of the prominent, you know, casters, coaches, orgs, players, all kind of chiming in about how they feel about it. And I just think it's a really interesting conversation because I can see all the different elements to it, um, regardless of my personal opinion. It's just a really interesting conversation because that is one thing that does, I think, separate esports from traditional sports right now, is how intertwined their personal. And professional lives are yeah and so it's kind of an unavoidable thing right now and i'll be really interested to see how that kind of progresses as esports matures over the next you know five years 10 years
0: well that conversation will keep going but while we're kind of on the topic of toxic players dylan let's talk about the most referred formed player of all time in league of Legends history <laughs> and his tournament
2: yeah so tcs is happening again um, a.k.a. the Tyler1 Championships series, um, which is a, a, a League of Legends t- tournament league sort of thing brought on by Tyler1, who is uh, very famous for being incredibly toxic and then going through his big reform. And so this is the second one, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's the second one, and it's weird is, a I think, a good way to describe it. Um, Tyler1 has like a interesting way of putting on this uh his production is really interesting because he used a lot of green screens and he plays <laughs> it up to be like like worlds but like he does it all himself like yeah, in his cringe. like apartment it's it's wild I love it I think this is this is like my favorite aspect of esports like this this is like what I love a lot and what's really interesting about this one is right now it's going through um just kind of stages right now group
0: stages yeah,
2: and, yeah group stages and it's already getting like hundreds of thousands of concurrents It's insane. This is bigger than just, like, the entire Heroes of the Storm professional
0: scene. Times two. So, yeah,
2: which is really sad.
0: Yeah, the fact that I found on Twitter is that <laughs> the on Tower 1 Championship had, like, 110,000 concurrent viewers for the group stage. The um, Heroes of the Storm 2017 finals had 8, um, thousand concurrent users. So yeah. almost double of the... Largest tournament in all of Heroes of the Storm is being topped by some guy putting on a League of Legends tournament in a small apartment. Like they're getting it, help. Like League Flame of Legends retweeted the tweet, which I thought is wild. Like I thought that was really funny. But like this is now a part of the League of Legends scene. Like the TCS is going to happen every year now, and it is now an integral part of the League of Legends scene, rather anyone wants it or not, because it it, it brings in this. Huge viewership after worlds. I mean, there should be nothing happening between now and January when the season starts up, but you have a colossal event happening and just bringing people in and getting people engaged, because it's a different side of League of Legends esports that may bring people in, introduce people, maybe what people hang on to, like I love it.
1: There yeah, are a lot yeah. of really cool aspects to it. Um like from a League of Legends player and and being used to like the pro scene that so, not only is he organizing the whole thing himself, and it's all kind of around his brand, it's on his Twitch channel, um, he keeps plugging his, like, his merch store. Um, and his
0: g and his, like, powder reformed, or whatever.
1: You know, reformed uh, tanks and everything. But he's putting up, like, his own $50,000 prize pool, like, out of his own pocket. He's organized all these teams to play against each other that are made up of... Popular streamers, past veteran pros, all kinds of different players that are prominent in the League community, up and comers. Um, but he's also like gathered this really interesting cast of casters that have been kind of rotating, and um, it's just interesting. And, and then they're also playing on the live patch. You know, in, in the pro scene, it's always like a couple patches behind. But now it's like it's preseason for the live League of Legends client. Where all these new changes have come through, and so no one really knows what the meta is, and so you just get all these really interesting elements kind of coming together that makes it so fun and engaging to watch, um, because the the casters don't really know what to expect, the fans certainly don't know what to expect. <laughs> I don't even think most of the players in the game know what the draft is going to be like. Like some of them are one tricks, some of them are, you know, it, and so it's all over the place, and it's just really. It's a different flavor, you know. Sometimes you just want that fast food. You don't want to go to the, you know, the fine dining restaurant. You just want something that's the buffet style, you know, where you just get to go all out and just have fun and there's something for everybody, you know.
2: So I actually wanted to go back and talk about the rotating casters because that part was really interesting. So what he was doing was bringing in It felt like just any streamer, like any popular (laughs) streamer. That's what it felt like. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw the clip, but uh, Disguised Toast, who got his fame kind of streaming Hearthstone, and then now he's in uh, the offline TV house. um, And he does like a lot of IRL streams now and stuff, but he had a a clip of where he was casting, and he just reminded everyone that uh that riot treats women terribly and they currently have a lawsuit against them just (laughs) in the middle of this tournament um which was pretty i think on brand for like something going on with tyler one
0: which all the more reasons why i find it crazy that league of legends like supports this like
2: and this was before they retweeted uh the the link too which was wild like I, well, also
1: I just... Tyler 1 like the reason so many people are drawn to him um particularly now is that he he really does have this whole narrative uh, all his own as a streamer um being like perma banned from the game which is something very few have ever gotten where he can't even create new accounts and then he just coaches players on his stream for a year eventually gets like a little bit of leeway with Riot to start playing again and he just he really has like I remember watching him a couple of years ago. I could not stand him. Oh, I couldn't God, stand God. watching a stream. I thought it was awful. Like, I don't enjoy that toxic. I know some people enjoy watching the meltdowns. I don't, I, I just, but now like I saw him in the, um, the show match at the summer finals in Oakland. And it was hilarious. And then he was doing like a, a weird partnership with WWE NXT you
0: know, yeah, turn, like Peter show and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's he's,
1: just so bizarre to see him. You know, like he is like a powerful tool for the game, like for branding the game. For yep, you know, and for League of Legends interested
0: can't turn their back on him until he yeah. decides to be done, because he is yeah. such an integral part of this community now. Whether they want him or not, they created his power by banning him, unbanning him, giving the spotlight. at um at some of these bigger events he's been talking about too like they've created this monster and now they have to support him whether they want it or not because he is such a huge part of the base i mean if league of legends ever has super high viewership it's because he's streaming i mean he is like a ninja tier he is like dr disrespect he leads his respective game for viewers and like that game drops drastically on twitch without them streaming So, like, they have no choice but to support him, I feel like. He has more power over Riot than they have the other way around. Which is curious. I love seeing it. It creates a very interesting dynamic. And it allows him to do whatever he's doing now. But, I don't know. It could come back to bite him. Because, yeah, I mean, obviously Riot doesn't want, on something they're promoting, being reminded that they have a lawsuit. Like, that's not something they're actively trying to talk about right now. So but they can't turn the back on it. But is there anything else you want to talk about with this? I mean, we have a couple more stories I want to talk about, but we can happily talk about this a little longer. If you guys have anything else you want to add on.
2: Yeah. So I have one more thing to yeah. kind of end it on. I just want to know what you guys think. What do you think finals concurrence are going to be?
0: Three to four hundred thousand.
2: Yeah, I would agree. I, I have no idea what to it
0: could, <laughs> it could be so big. I mean, what did Tyler's like his Tyler's uh like return stream? Top three hundred thousand. I think this could top three hundred thousand easily. I think three to four would be a safe. I can yeah. see it going up. I could not see it being lower than two fifty.
2: Oh um, yeah, no, no, not below two fifty for sure.
0: I could see it. I could be seeing it be huge. So I, I'd love to see that, and that's that's coming up next week, I believe. I don't even know when the next round is. I don't think any of us I don't either. <laughs> we will tweet that out when one. we know about the next round coming up. So that you guys can follow along with that. And we'll talk about it after it happens and all that kind of stuff too. But before we kind of go into our little mid-show ad roll thing, I wanted to talk about the most Canadian thing to ever happen. It wasn't really on the show log before. It happened right before. But it does seem as if we are going to find out the branding of the Vancouver Overwatch team this Saturday. And do you know why it's the most Canadian thing ever? Because it is going to be at, it's going to be between the first and second period of the Canucks hockey game on Saturday. On the ice, they're going to reveal the Overwatch branding, which I mean, it makes sense. They're owned by the same group. I mean, try and get your Canucks fans excited about Overwatch. I just think it's such a weird way to do it, but it also makes perfect sense to me. What do you guys just kind of think about this? Like it's not much news but we're finally going to hear about it at least.
2: It's hilarious. I love this. It's it's perfectly on brand for Canada. Yep. I'm I'm glad they're doing it then and I'm really glad that they're integrating sports and esports together. I know I can't remember for the life of me what's I it might have been a, it might have been at a Pittsburgh game. Uh or or like the local hockey team for for Pittsburgh. They had, like, Overwatch there as well. Well, they, at, they
0: at the Bucks game I went to last year, when Bucks Gaming was just being announced, they had them all come down on stage and, like, did a little graphic and, like, introduced all of them stuff too. So, like, this crossover does happen sometimes, but I just think this is such a big announcement to happen as a crossover. It seems like something that would happen, like, the week after the announcement. Like, hey, yeah. we announced this new Overwatch team. Learn more about it. No, we are making a major esports announcement in between intermissions of a hockey game. Yeah. Like, that's the is...
1: really cool part. Um, because in, in League of Legends, for example, uh, the North American League franchised this past year in 2018 and, uh, the Golden State Warriors, um, got a team. Yeah, the did and, uh, yeah. and they have the Golden Guardians and so, of course, they were constantly threading those two organizations. Which like, they would sense. bring the Golden Guardians team onto the halftime, you know, onto the court. Um, And they would, you know, do different photo ops and stuff with the players. And then um, also Misfits, they're tied to the Miami Heat. And I know that they've done a little bit like that too. But it's a whole different level when you're actually making the announcement for the team, like the creation of it at an event where rather than announcing it and then kind of bringing them together, it's like an upfront announcement that these are already
0: together. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we don't think about it, but the demographics, especially between the NBA and eSports, is very, very similar um, at young males. And I think I wouldn't doubt hockey wouldn't be too far off either. So, like, the hockey and the NBA and the eSports crossover, it makes more sense than a lot of people originally think about it, not only because of ownership, but who do you think goes to ma- uh, hockey games? I mean, probably 18 to 30-year-old males, pretty close to what the eSports kind of – like target market is a lot of times, so like these demographics do line up, so it makes more sense there. I'm sure that game will be sold out between traditional hockey fans and esports fans. Like I'd love to be up there for that; that'd be fun. But um, so I, I like the crossover. I just thought it was funny because what better so are way to announcing
1: like? the actual like name of the team, the colors, like that, the
0: so, logo, and that. Is that I just saw Reddit polls. So. I'd assume so. I, I don't know how much you're gonna do. I doubt we'll get a roster reveal. But I just saw a Reddit post, someone emailed him, like, saying a theme night, like, what's going on? It said that we will be announcing the brand new E-Sports team, oh, first off, <laughs> my god, um, team between the, uh, after the first period. You're getting off on the wrong foot. I know. So, I, that bothered me, but yeah. So, this is only a rumor, it was just posted on Reddit, like, two hours ago. Could not gotcha. be true, but it kind of okay. came up, and I wanted to mention it, because that would be fun, and it's just a fun thing to talk about, but... Anything else on this before we wrap that one up and move on to the next one?
2: I'm ready for DC. I want DC already, please.
0: I are we saying this kind of pre show. I think we'll get both team announcements this week. Because DC said last week, very soon they're going to make an announcement. Last Thursday, we still have not heard anything. It makes sense that it's going to be this week, probably a surprise drop. So hopefully that You're happens. Talking about to Washington, do. DC? Yes. Yeah. That will be the remaining six expansion team that will not have an announcement after this week if they don't do anything. So.
2: And just as announcement to all our listeners out there, if there is a a pre-announcement of when this like branding and logo is going to drop in D.C., you know your boy's going to be there with the on-the-ground report.
0: Oh, really? you Do try you to show off for it? Yeah,
2: I live right outside D.C., so I'll take that Metro in there. I'll get the on-the-ground reporting for you guys.
0: Nice. That, wait, that, wait, that, that's really super Virginia cool. Are you in
1: Maryland? Uh, Virginia. Oh, me too. <laughs> oh,
2: wow. Look,
0: Look at that. Out. We can have you both show up. Yeah, we I'm Williamsburg. You.
1: We oh, can have our okay. own little crew
0: show up yeah. there. but um, Maybe I'll be there, too. Yeah. <laughs> but um, with that, before we move on to the next topic, as always, we do a little mid-show reminder. If you have Amazon Prime, you have Twitch Prime, which means you can connect the two, get one free Twitch Prime, Prime subscription each month, push the little button up above Dylan's head right now, And then you favorite, um, you help us out a ton. You'll get um, emotes eventually as we are working on those. You support us. And it just means the world to us. So if you have Amazon Prime, get your money away from Amazon. Give it to us. Give it to any streamer, even if it's not us. Because it does help out any small streamers, big streamers, all like. So that's just our friend little reminder. And with that, I just want to very briefly touch on something we talked about last week, which was the H1Z1 Pro League's failure. So half the money that was promised to these teams hadn't been arrived. And the owner-operator of the league kind of came back in today and said, well, technically we're not late on our payments yet. The payment was due to be around the start of the second uh, split, and since the second split never happened, they're technically not due yet. And instead it's going to be due at the end of the year since the league is being ended, and it'll be due within 180 days of the league ending, which will be December 31st. So ideally sometime in the first uh, two quarters of 2019, apparently that money is going to come. I don't know if I totally believe that. That's just kind of the new story that came out as an update that the money technically wasn't due until 180 days, within 180 days of the league starting. And since they kept pushing it back, they technically didn't need to pay. Seems kind of sketchy, but... Nice. That's a little bit of an update there, just so that we kind of wrap up that new story. And maybe if the money ever does show up, we'll talk about it again. But wanted to bring that up. Um, one other short story before we move into hopefully the last one with Dylan um, is going to be Splice so we've mentioned Splice earlier today they got a League of Legends spot they are also the team behind the Toronto Defiant so they have pretty much a spot in two of the biggest kind of leagues in the world right now in terms, terms of esports they have been fully acquired by Overactive Media Group so there's already a partnership I don't know if a part buyout something kind of like that For when the Overwatch team was announced, Um, the overactive media owns Overwatch spot and Splice was operating it for them. But now it has been fully acquired. Um, I don't think there's a ton to talk about. I mean, that partnership was already there. I think it makes sense for a large media group to own an esports entity at this point. I mean, even looking through, there's not any big bullet points or anything kind of like that. Um, Yeah, overactive media already had 1.5 million into Splice. Splice is in a really good spot to grow with being in the two leagues. I mean, is there any surprising, any things you guys aren't unhappy about, or any comments in general about this news story? Otherwise, it's just kind of news to be news.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting that, um, as I mentioned earlier, Splice, at least according to the ESPN reporting, was not one of the initial 10 teams to get accepted into the LEC.
0: So maybe this could have um, been a turnaround. Maybe this could have been the this, reason that did I, happen.
1: Just kind of once that was the first thing that kind of perked up my ears when they when they announced that uh, acquisition. Well, I was curious if that is connected in any way to the switch to then accepting Splice. Like maybe there was something to do there.
0: I, don't I mean, know. yeah, I it, it makes totally... sense. I mean, why wouldn't you want to invest in, I mean, why wouldn't you want to accept a team that's in the Overwatch League already? So, they're all very, very intra already involved in esports and all that kind of stuff. Spice has been around for a while, which is like, okay, like maybe, like, sure, they're a big org, but do they have the big money that they need? But then when you go and right. have someone come buy out the company that's already invested millions into the team, obviously has more money to put in. Like, in that sense, it makes sense. And that is something I was going to bring up if you guys didn't. Like, that does make sense of why you flip that switch is like, okay, if we're choosing between these two, Well, this one now has a huge media corporation backing them. They're in the Overwatch League already. Like, you have all that push and the goodwill. Like, I think it makes sense to switch that team out. So, Dylan, or just news to be news?
2: It's news.
0: Yeah. It's something to mention just because they are such a kind of a big team right now because they are in both leagues. I feel like it's important enough to at least mention it, but I didn't have any real talk points on it. Just wanted to throw it in there. So with that, we do have one last story, and I think this just kind of goes to show a little bit about how behind we are, maybe in terms of esports compared to Canada and not Canada, China.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Most <obviously>. are <laughs> <them>. <laughs> <Canada. laughs>
0: What do you? What do you got? What do you got, Dylan?
2: Yeah. So in China, Hangzhou, pretty sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, they're opening up like an esports. They call it an esports city um but a better way to kind of describe it is that like a section of of hangzhou is being it's like the esports district sort of Hmm. so it's going to be about 10.5 square miles so that's about half the size of manhattan
0: i'm glad you converted that i was just about to convert that i'm like 17 square meters like what is that
2: i prepped for this i was already he's got um, his calculator and everything yeah but yeah so it's like half the size of manhattan which is really big like 10 square miles is huge so, basically, it's just going to be a bunch of different eSports facilities there. And the Chinese government's paying for this. It's like $280 million, which is a giant investment into eSports for China, which totally makes sense. Everyone loves eSports there, apparently.
0: Well, they have yeah, mean, they had three Overwatch teams. I mean, they're growing in terms of Overwatch. I mean, they're involved in every other eSport. I mean, it makes sense. So much investment's already going in there. And, I mean, they're expecting that... This is going to bring in a lot of money too. I mean, they spent 280 million on it, but they're expected that it'll bring over 140 million in tax tax revenue alone. Like they're expecting that not only that it's going to be popular, but it's going to actually make the Chinese government money, which I think is ridiculous that they're backing it that well, expecting that much of a return. And obviously, they're just going to keep investing in esports over there if they just keep seeing the returns. I mean, if you're looking at making that much money back in tax revenue, obviously it's a good investment. I could see these districts popping up in more places. I don't see why it wouldn't. I mean, they don't have many teams tied to this right now. I'm assuming if national like um, localization ever happened for the Overwatch League, this is where Hangzhou will play. Um, but I don't know. I love this. I think this is ridiculous. I'd love to go explore Manhattan and have it all be esports. I mean, I think anyone in the industry Yeah, I'm interested
1: to see, like, what that means. Like, what what all will be in there. It's probably is, like, mostly
0: e-sports. just giant arenas. We'll probably take up most of that. There'll probably be a handful yeah. of arenas. I mean, you can kind of see a picture of it. So it is open now. So the pictures, like we saw in the article and stuff, like, that's actually what it looks like in it. And I see, like, two huge arenas with probably hotels food places, uh, it looks like a little boardwalk down by the water, so it's kind of going to be more like an entertainment kind of industry, but have all of the main attractions be esports-centric, is pretty right. much what it looks like.
2: Now, does this give off, like, a weird, like, Shadowrun vibe to anyone else? Like, the <laughs> esports district? Like, this re- <laughs> like, I don't know, just something about that, just, like, I, I love the idea of it, because it- it's really, like, futuristic, and, like, it kind even of just
0: the design of it, it looks very rounded Looks very, it does look very futuristic like when I first saw it, I thought these were like renderings of the future, like no, this is what it actually looks like, so not <laughs> like the, not like the future tomorrow. future, but like when it was going to be built I didn't mean like 2028 like, I meant like
2: <laughs> no, like, no, I think that was a perfect way to describe it, I love that
0: it, it does look really cool, and, I, and I'd love to visit, like if I ever dig it over to China this is 100% on my list to check out because that is just such a cool thing that like I could see happening in the U.S. at some point. I don't know if it's ever going to be this big because this big, it has to be somewhere in California. And there's just not space anywhere in California because that's where all the heart of esports is in terms of um, the U.S. And you couldn't plop this into a middle of a city like you can in China. Like, something could happen, but it will never be this size. And I think to an extent, at least in terms of government backing, I think esports will be behind... Uh, China for a while.
1: Yeah, it really will. But I'm not surprised that it happened in China. One of my um, China, yeah. one of the pieces that I did shortly after Worlds uh, for League actually was just kind of putting into perspective how big the esports audience is there compared to the West and the rest of the world. Because for example, like when you look at uh, peak concurrent viewership for the World Championships this year, uh, if you factor in China, it's something like two hundred and two million or two hundred fifty million or something like that, which is a lot. Yes. But when you take China out, it's only like two million. You know. It's ridiculous. So it's literally like
0: one percent. Yeah, it's like 20 times. twenty times. It's twenty times. Ninety-nine percent
1: is Chinese, and one percent is everyone else, which is just crazy, crazy di- discrepancy. When you look at the top, like, the top 20 uh, highest peak esports concurrent viewership at at various events, like, ever, almost all of them involve Chinese, you know, when you you have to include the Chinese viewership or else it it just drops way, way off. It'll be invitationals, like, you'll have an invitational that is in China or, like, the Asia region that gets more viewership than, like, a final that is just two western teams yeah. because just because of the
0: the the Chinese there's that the big population is there. there I mean it it helps I mean it's just crazy to think that the esports the amount of people that watch esports in China is almost the same size of the United States what the United States is 320 million or something they have over 200 million people watching esports in China like, first yeah. off, the country is so much larger compared to it. Yeah. But even so, the adoption rate of esports and the acceptance of it is just much larger over there, too. So that does kind of land out. But I just think that that's crazy to think of how big the Chinese market is. So it makes sense that they invest $280 million and they're going to make their money back because there's that large of an audience. But I don't know. I, I love it. And I think this is just really cool, futuristic stuff, like Dylan was saying. Ready
1: Any, player one. Yeah. yeah. God. When I,
0: I had never read the book or anything like that. And when I saw that movie, I'm like, I love this. Um, but is there anything we want to touch up on? Any of the past stories that we brushed over? Anything that I didn't bring up that you wanted to talk about? Anything you want to talk about? We have a couple more minutes here before we wrap up the show. Now we can wrap up a couple minutes early. But if you guys want to talk anything, esports, chill out, feel free. I'll take that as a no. Yeah, yeah, no, I have oh. something.
2: Um, so, I'm sure we're going to touch upon it um, during our um, project ranking series. Um, but Nicole Carpenter over at Dot uh, Esports just released an article about um, the spark and their use of pink in their team. And it's a really good article. So, I would suggest going on reading that.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I guess a couple things. One, before we kind of wrap up, last couple things I'll show uh, keeping is that first off, do go check out James's uh, daily recaps on League of Legends Free Agency. He'll pretty much keep doing them until crazy things stop happening, and then I'll probably do weekly um, updates or anything kind of like that. He puts time in that. He goes on rants. It's everything you want out of him on this show, but in shorter, about 15-minute segments on Twitter, you can find that. Project rankings will be going up after the last of the, these last two teams do announce, so keep an eye out for that. That is going to be our brand ranking videos for the entire Overwatch League. But that's for future stuff. But right now, I want to thank you so much, Thomas, for coming on to today's episode, giving us the League of Legends information that me and Dylan would not have had today. It was great having you on. It was great talking to you and getting your opinions. So if anyone wants to hear you talk more, check out your articles, anything kind of like that, where can they find you? Where can they keep up with you?
1: Um, mainly just go to the gamehouse.com under the eSports section you'll find League of Legends. I, I post articles probably twice a week on average. Um, I try to do a lot of original content, not just you know breaking news, not just things that you know is already out there. I'm usually giving my opinion or doing analytics or something kind of original. Um, and I am pretty active on Twitter so um, my Twitter handle is Thomas Baker TGH Underscore Thomas Baker underscore TGH. I put it in
0: the bottom um, right corner. So if anyone wants to check it out, that's right there on the screen for you too. Yeah, but I just wanted so to make sure you are right in the right place.
1: I, uh, again on there, I try to just give my original opinion and then anything that, um, someone else has already said, I am a retweet fiend. I retweet <laughs> a lot of videos, a lot, like all those things James has been putting out. Um, I retweet like crazy, anything that that's important that I, is not coming from me. I'm retweeting it from somebody else. So,
0: Awesome. We'll check definitely go check it out. you great to have on the show. Might have you down the road, too, if there's ever another big league week and James decides not to be with us. But with that, thank you all so much for tuning in, hanging out in chat, um, listening to us, downloading, whatever you do. It all means the world to us, whether you're liking, favoriting, subscribing, leaving a comment, leaving a thumbs up on Twitter. It, we all mean it. We see it. It means the world to us. We had someone tweet at us this week about how we listen every week. I replied instantly. I love that. Like, just those little interests. Those little comments mean the world to all three of us and is what keeps us going every week.
2: And we go live every single Monday right here on twitch.tv/slash the house at 6 30 Eastern Standard Time. It's the best time, because I think population-wise, it is the highest. So it is the best time. Um, and then everything else goes up the following day on Tuesday, usually early in the morning. So you can find us on every single podcast platform out there. If there is a podcast platform out there, we're not on i'd be incredibly surprised please dm me and let me know yeah and we did just fix any
0: google listeners we did just fix the google play problem that will be updated by the end of the week so that is we're on
2: google play that's fixed now or it's getting fixed we're on on google play we're on on uh itunes podcast uh stitcher there's there's like six other ones that we don't know that we get like three russian viewers from (laughs) so shouts out to them too um everywhere you could possibly think of and then we're also on youtube the following day um over at the game house's youtube page and if you just search us on twitter as well just like project esports podcast um you'll find us there and we always tweet out whenever our stuff goes up so
0: okay i totally did not prepare you for this so just follow along and i think you'll figure it out okay dylan you ready i'm dylan i'm andrew i'm thomas and thank you for listening to the Project Esports podcast. We will see you guys next Monday at 6:30 p.m. Eastern time on Twitch.tv/thegamehouse. Have a great night.